What's going on, everybody? This is your host of the Man Up Podcast. My name is Jake Reeves, a.k.a. the Mississippi Superman. And with me today, I'm joined by my co-host, Wesley, the Armadillo Wrangler Dunham. And we've got Tyler, the Possum Copeland, coming on here in a little bit. But he's not here yet. He's running late. And we also had a little bit of a technical difficulty, which is why we're a little bit late starting today. But thank you guys so much for joining us. We're so happy that you're here. Uh, before I get into this episode, I would like to give a shout out to Mills Home Center of Columbus, Mississippi. Go on down and see my boy Sean Gates at Mills Home Center where they have the deals and the thrills. The prices will give you chills and save all your dollar bills on your homes on wheels. Um, nice. It just flows off the tongue, doesn't it? Does. it? It's good. so good. Yeah, I'm so glad that we, we really should go into advertising. I wrote a I wrote a jingle for my parents' restaurant. I don't know if I've sang it to you before, yeah. but uh, I wrote a jingle for my parents' restaurant, which I thought was gold. Gold. <laughs> Why like we it. didn't use it for Farmstead? One thing was they were talking about using the call it Farmstead Cafe. They ended up calling it Farmstead Restaurant, and the jingle I wrote was for Farmstead Cafe, but it still went hard. You remember it? I remember think I goes? remember it. I got po- – oh, I'm sorry. We got possums. We got critters. We got roadkill and armadillers. Come on down and eat with us at Farmstead Cafe. What do you think? They didn't like that? They didn't use it. Dude, I'd have they made sure. I'd have, so I'd have started putting shirts out. Everything. Yeah. Yeah, we got possum. We got critters. Shirts. Roadkill and armadillers. Hats. Yep. Everywhere. Oh, man. Shorts. Flip-flops. Coasters. Coasters. Koozies. Bikes. Like Pins. Gloveless gloves. I mean, fingerless gloves. Fingerless gloves. Assless chaps, all of it, dude. All of it. How do you how do you not use that? <laughs> I don't. I mean, I just that. it's just marketing genius going to waste, is what it is. I would have used it. Yeah, marketing genius going to waste. Um, as we do jump into this episode, how about Justin Gaethje's knockout at Dustin Poirier last night? I, I enjoyed that fight. That was good, wasn't it? Yep. I was pulling for Poirier, I but I also like Gaethje because everybody says me and Gaethje look. It was a fine. clean head kick. It was nasty. Just that foot wrapped around, caught him in the back of the head. I was impressed by that, and then I was impressed by how Herb Dean just flew in there out of nowhere. Skirt. You know, he's, pretty he's, good a, he's a good ref, man. You know, I've, he's ref one of my fights. I think, I, I, think I, I think I remember you telling me that. Yeah, he ref one of my fights back in 2000 and probably 10 or 9. What was that, in Tuscaloosa? It was in Birmingham. Birmingham. Yeah, it was in Birmingham. It was a butterbean card. Butterbean was putting on the show. He had, he was partnered with Monty Cox, I believe, um, and Butterbean was the main guy. And he was the main guy putting the show on, and he was the headliner. So, um, <laughs> Butterbean, who was probably about four hundred pounds plus, fought a guy who was like barely two hundred six, two hundred five, like barely big enough to be a heavyweight at all. Dang! But it was this was in the land before uh, this was in the land before the commission of Alabama. There was no commission yeah. at all. So I fought a pro. I'd been training like a year, right? A, a year and a month since I'd first started taking my training really serious. And um, I fought a guy who was like 15 and two as an Ami and making his pro debut. Damn. And uh, I lost. <laughs> I was two and one going into that fight. And he, he was like 15 and two or something. I yeah, we was talking about the Alabama commission the other day, back in the day. Wild. Yeah. It was wild was what it was. It was crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. It was just like, like you, you could go and fight pro in Alabama and then come back to Mississippi and fight amateur because yeah. it was just no commission at all. There was no oversight, and then they That's went crazy. and they shut down and made MMA completely illegal for a while, and they brought it back and they just made they went from being 
the wild west mm-hmm. of fighting of mixed martial arts to within the two years when they came back and they had ISKA who was over it and um International Sport Karate Association yeah. was who was running it. And actually I've met the guy who started that because you know that's over a bunch of states. Wasn't he the one in the airport? That yeah, day? at Bellator. Yeah. yeah, when we when we that's fought right. for within Bellator at that time. Uh, oh, he started. He was started he was the, ISKA. Room? Yeah, yeah. He was one who came up. Who is like the head of ISKA, uh, which is why he was at the Bellator yeah. show. Um, but yeah, it was uh, cool. it was wild, man. It was wild. They came back and it was the gayest rules ever. <laughs> they came back and they were just like no punching to the head of a ground opponent. If you yeah. had less than three fights, everybody's got to wear shin guards. And then you know what the biggest my biggest problem with Alabama was? It was not that it wasn't those rules it was the way they treated the fighters Mm. because when alabama came back with a commission they filled the commission with a bunch of sport karate guys with a bunch of guys who had never fought guys who had never cut weight and so they just did not understand the struggle Mm -hmm. of fighters they just didn't get it and so when you fought in mississippi the guys who were over the commission here were at least boxers they cut weight before. Mm-hmm. A lot of them had fought MMA before. Um, a lot of them had cut weight. And so when you showed up to weigh-ins, they let you weigh in and go rehydrate. We'll handle everything else tomorrow. At Alabama, in Alabama, they bring you in, and you're going to be there for four hours. Damn. Every time. Every time you're going to be there for four hours. You would show up, and the commi- you couldn't start weighing in until the commission got there. The commission was always late. The commission very rarely had their shit together. Then they'd get there, and they'd want you, they'd want to do weigh-ins as part of, like, the doctor physical. And they went into a lot of detail on these doctor physicals, um, checking hearing and eyesight and just everything, everything you can think of. And I'm not saying that physicals are a bad thing. Yeah, but, they're gonna be, but your results are going to be skewed, especially if you're cutting Especially like when that. you got people cutting weight. Yeah. And people who are sitting here dehydrated yeah. and emaciated, taking these physicals so we're irritable we're angry yeah you know we're, we're 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 pissed off we're sitting there and even when i wasn't the one fighting i was sitting there irritable and angry because last time i'd cut weight with the guy or i'd just be hungry i wouldn't want to sit there for four hours mm-hmm. and it was just you could tell the alabama commission just did not give a shit they just did not care <laughs> like they were just all shoulders about the whole thing like hey man can we go eat and they're just like, i don't know no you gotta stay here until this whole process is done. And they had a chip on their shoulder. And that's been the issue with a lot of commissions, honestly. When they change hands or a new commission steps in or whatever, the new people always have this, like, chip on their shoulder, like they've got something to prove. Yeah. Especially if they're not fighters. Especially if they're, they don't come from an MMA or boxing background. Mm-hmm. And, they, you know, those guys always have a level of, like, understanding of, like, hey, we know this is tough. We know this is a tough day on you guys. Yeah. A lot of times the weight cut day is just as stressful as the fight day, if not more so. Um, yeah, usually the day way. is worse. Yeah. And so. Man, I, about the Alabama commission, I, I, did, I didn't like how they made them wear the shin guards and still do, but like you're saying, that one, no, uh, to the uh, to a ground no opponent, no punch to, to a ground opponent. Man, that to me is, that takes your whole ground opponent game. Yeah, away. it really changes the game. Yeah. And I get why they do it. The reason they do it, is they're trying to get more ring experience for fighters. 
because a lot of amateur fights end on the ground because they start getting in the head and they either they either turn their back and get submitted mm-hmm. or they get TKO'd or you get dropped and they get on it, they finish you, whatever. It makes the fights go quicker. And so what their thought yeah. process is, they want to make rules that make the fights go longer. They want to, like, it's harder to finish somebody in the first yeah. round. I mean, I get that. And so they're trying to get ring experience for the guys. The problem is when you build your game around not getting hit in the head on the ground, it doesn't really translate when you do start getting hit on Mm -hmm. the head on the ground. It's kind of – so I see both sides of that as much as I dislike it. So what I used to do, I used to, when Strikehard was still putting on shows, I used to go and um, take my strikers – had limited jujitsu and had limited grappling, and I would put, have them fight in Alabama. And then I would have my good jujitsu people, they would fight in Mississippi mm-hmm. for the first couple fights. Then I would, a lot of times, I would swap them. So if I had a good grappler, and okay, we've went in and we've done really well in our first couple fights, now I want you to sort of have to be forced to stand up a little bit, mm-hmm. then I'd book them a fight in Alabama. Because like, like after they like won a fight in Mississippi, I'd put them over in Alabama. Yeah. Because like, I want I want them to improve their stand up. You know, I did that with Hannah. Yeah. Um that's why we took a fight in Alabama. And we had anybody fighting in Alabama a long time. Well, Strikehard doesn't put shows on anymore. Right. And that was the main person. When we fought in Alabama, so we fought for it. How did, lot, they, how did they become affiliated a, with B two? Did they, they, they got bought, bought out? Okay. They got bought out by B two. Um B two's putting on shows, but for a long time and including now, there's not a lot of fights happening in Alabama because um the commission sucks mm-hmm. so bad. It's yeah. just hard for promoters to put on shows. And then the reason why we don't fight in Alabama is just because I've I, the, the people who are still putting on shows, I don't really know them. Mm-hmm. And there's we don't have enough fighters where we need to. Right. Like, I mean, we can fight in Super Low. We can fight locally, and I can deal with the promoters I've always dealt with, and I don't have to worry about building rapport with a new promoter. Yeah. Um, and so I just kind of stick to the – I don't chase waterfalls, you know. I just stick with the rivers and the streams that I'm used to, <laughs> you know. <laughs> That's the uh Don't do it. That's the way I do it. You know? I almost started buzzing out singing. The uh back in the day, man, um promoters used to be snakes. Oh no. And we had yeah. to build a lot of rapport to get where we are now and get in with the promoters we could trust, mm-hmm. like SFC and some of these other guys. And uh it's just a lot of work. Yeah. Branching out and getting in with new people, you know. Oh yeah, I get it. I get it. I tell you what, though, talking about fights, we were talking about Justin Gacy and Dustin Poirier last night. There were a lot of good fights on there the card. There were some really good ones. I think there was only two decisions. Yeah, there were several knockouts. In the whole the whole card only had two decisions. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. That's a good card. And one of them still got pulled, which I think would have been another good fight. Yeah, the Steven Thompson, Steven Thompson fight. One, yeah. yeah. That would, uh, but, yeah, it was a good card. Tony Ferguson getting pieced up by Bobby Green the way he did was a little <laughs> surprising. I thought he was going to do better than you that. You think it was because of the eye poke, though? No. You don't think so? No, I don't. I think he just got pieced up. He's honestly. been fighting a long time, dude. He's 40, right? Isn't he 40 now? I think so. Right around there. It's, I mean, it's old. At a, at a certain point, it's like, all right, yeah. like maybe you're still a badass, but you might not be able to compete at that level anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just the way it is. It's just, it's hard to compete at that level forever. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for and sure. Once you hit 40, competing at that level gets even harder. Yeah. You know? Balin was talking about looking at fighters, like the guys who've been fighting a while. She said they look like stray dogs. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you see these dogs walking around, they got scars all over their face, and their ears are all tattered and messed up. It's like, man, these, yeah. a lot of these fighters are like stray dogs. 
It's a rough life. Dude. Yeah, it's a tough way to make a living, man. Yeah. It's just not for me. I used mm. to think that it was. Mm. I used to think that's what I wanted. And, ah, it's not. It's tough, man. It's not. Training to go in and just take damage. I think that's when I really realized, like, like I'm not going to say I'm done, but when I was done was when I started being like, man, I don't want I don't want that life. Life's like, too hard for me. I'm, I'm not gonna lie to you. Well, like the next, like today for those guys. Yeah, I bet they're all sore as shit. Dude. Yeah, it just it's hard on your brain. It's hard, it's a hard a life, a hard lifestyle too. Like fighting for a living. So if that fight gets scrapped, you don't get paid. Mm, if yeah. you know, if you lose, you make half the money. Mm-hmm. Like it's just hard. Uh, if you get hurt, you tear an ACL and you're out for a year. You don't yeah. get paid for a year. Yeah. What kind that's of life why, is that? Yeah, that's why some of them pushed for the health insurance for fighters. Yeah. But, I, and especially with the UFC model, and, and I, I kind of get it, because with the UFC model, the fighters are treated a little bit like the their shares and all is a little bit more like an employee situation as opposed to like them being just a contractor and they can fight whenever mm-hmm. wherever they want, you know, and, and make all their money like, you know, a lot of boxing promotions can be. And they have contracts in boxing, but, you know, like if you're going to make it like an employee situation where these guys – they can't have their own sponsors. They can't have their own brands. They, um, they really are nice. like a, like a slave to the UFC yeah. in a way. Then I think that you do need to offer health insurance mm-hmm. and some some other like some pension retirement type plans to to help them get to that. Because what a lot of people don't think about. And this is one of the reasons why fighting just didn't appeal to me that much as, as a lifestyle. For one, I wasn't good enough to make it, you know, to make any real money. But a lot of these guys that are making, let's say you're making $200,000 a year, yeah. which would be good for most. Most fighters are not making that. Right. Most fighters are making less than 100 Like most guys in the UFC, the, 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 the bottom feeder guys, the, the, the gatekeepers, these guys, you know, they're making less than hundred grand, especially after management takes 20%, mm-hmm. coach takes 10%. They got to pay their coaches that are holding mitts for them and stuff. They got to pay a nutritionist. They got to pay. They got to do something. They got to have food. They got to travel. You know, they're not making much. Well, then let's say even if they are taking home home 100 grand, though. All right, 100 grand. And let's say you do that. It's probably going to take you seven years. Let's say you start fighting at 20. It takes you seven years to make it to the UFC. So seven years you're working a job. You make it to the UFC. You're 27. You got 13 years. Mm -hmm. 13 years. It's 1.3 million. That you're going to make all together at $100,000 a year. $1.3 million, something like that. Okay. Let's say it's even two, $2 million. But you got to stretch that over 15 years and then you got to retire on it. Mm-hmm. It's not going to work. No. That's not enough money. Nope. That's not like you, you get to, then you get to the end of your career and you're 40 years old and you're looking around like, what now? Yeah. You got a box check, Paul. That's why a lot of them were saying, so, you know, I didn't agree with them, um, with them taking the sponsors away. I, Cause that, I didn't like said, on your short, they had them on their shorts. You'd walk in with big banners. Yeah, you know, and that's how they all made their money for sure. A lot of yeah. fighters, that's how they made their money. Yeah, was on the was on sponsorships. It's the yep. uh, it's the way it goes. What's up, String Burn? What's up, baby? String Burn. Yeah, it was it was that was shitty. That was shitty, man. What about uh, what about Working Man Wars? Ooh. on Friday, Joe Sayer versus Johnny Ringo. Boy, you know honestly, that wasn't a terrible fight. It wasn't, and I. I didn't think it was going to go all three rounds. I didn't. Did. I, I thought it would. <clears throat> but, yeah, I, it wasn't a bad one. Yeah, I, I, I thought it would go all three rounds or it would go um, somebody would quit from exhaustion. 
Yeah. That's what I thought might happen. I feel the uh, the results would have been different if Johnny Ringo would have did his game game plan earlier instead of waiting until mid-third round. Working the body. Yeah. yeah. He didn't really work the body until mid-third round. Yeah. I think if he'd have done that earlier, first, second round, he possibly, potentially could have been a different Possibly. Possi- he worked it some. Yeah. He was looking for that big haymaker yeah. over the top, and it wasn't. Landing those big haymaker shots is tough. A lot yeah. of people don't understand. Like, if it was just a matter of going in there and landing that big haymaker, mm-hmm. yeah, we'd yeah. all we'd all be tough. We'd all be good fighters. Yeah, they but were, you got to uh, land that. They're wearing sixteen ounce gloves too, right? They were. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Like you say, a lot of people don't realize that. That's, you got to bring that up and around. For dudes who don't train on a regular basis, too. You know, yeah, so, yeah. You got to like when you do train for on a regular basis, like finding that overhand, finding that right hand is tough. Yeah, it's tough. You got to really set it up. You got to really be thinking about how am I gonna make this land. How am I going to make him think something else is coming or not see this coming? And it's not just not telegraph. It's not just throwing it straight. Mm-hmm. It's setups. It's fakes and feints. It's head movement. It's level changes. And then putting all that together to finally, after a couple minutes, bam, there it is most of the time. Sometimes they'll just walk straight into it. Yeah. But most of the time, landing a big right hand is an art form. It's a, it's a, there's a skill to it. Yeah, and yeah. a lot of people don't have that skill. One thing I what I did like about the fight was from uh, Super Joe was that he he was utilizing utilizing that jab to keep him at bay a lot. Yeah, and he used it the whole fight. I thought, yeah, that, he just kind of flopped that kinda, jab, just kind of keeping him at bay, and then he come with it. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting fight. It was interesting. Uh, 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 it was interesting to uh, streamer versus I ain't gonna lie. I thought Johnny Ringo was gonna win based on the other dude's last fight. Uh, he made. Some noticeable, small, but noticeable changes that helped him win. I also think that the quality of opponent decreased considerably, too, because um, when he fought Sam Butler, Sam Butler's an athlete. Mm-hmm. He played college tennis. Mm-hmm. He works out every day. He's like a he's like a, a freak about working out. He's always in the gym doing yeah. cardio. He's got, he's got a little more pop and a little more power, even though he said – after the fight, uh, he said Johnny Ringo hit a little harder. But I don't know, man. Sam Bar- Butler landed some big shots in that fight. Yeah, he sure did, yeah. So I, I think the level of opponent went down considerably. I'm excited to see him uh, square off. I, I want to get some more fights lined up. I think we should. I, I think we should get three or four fights lined up yeah. for that one. Um, are you going to try and find a stand-in ref? Or are you gonna I might. Ref? Yeah, I might. I, kinda, I don't mind refing, really. Yeah. I don't mind reffing. That commentating was that was fun stuff. Yeah, down there. Yeah, commentating is 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 a uh, it's harder than people think it is. Oh, for sure, it's a lot harder because I've commentated for like shows, like mm-hmm. boxing shows and stuff, where I brought in as the commentator, and I don't really know what to do. And it seems so easy. Like Joe Rogan makes it seem so easy. Yeah, but you get in there and you're like, um, I don't, I don't yeah. really know what to say. I was the know? same way. That's why I was just like just. Just talking. <laughs> yeah, just what BMAC told me, Brandon McCatherine told me, he said, uh, just say what you see. Right, yeah. Look at what you see and then just say it. Oh, it looks like he's doing this. Oh, he's doing that. Oh, he's doing this. Oh, he's doing that. And just do that the whole time. And that's really all commentating really is. I'm you sure just like talk about else. what you see. Just take, once you do it, once you do it repetitious, you get better with it. I'm oh, sure. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. 
Because like you say, when Joe Rogan, like when he's like he's calling like uh, submission moves or what the guy's doing, all that. I, I know them submission moves, but I'll probably fumble over my words. Yeah, you know, and call you know a Peruvian alpha brain time. dog. Yeah, you gotta take oh, that yeah. alpha brain. <laughs> that stuff's too expensive. You gotta take that. Yeah, that stuff is expensive. <laughs> I I bought some of that alpha brain black label. Personally, I can't tell that big of a difference on it. You can tell. I mean, we met like at when all. When I first started, I could tell the difference, but it definitely was not to the level I was expecting. Mm. I was expecting almost like Adderall's cousin. Mm-hmm. And that's it's not every, that. That's what a lot of the reviews say. Yeah, it's not that. Huh. It definitely well, was not that serious. How long did you take it? I took the whole I took the whole the, thing. The I, took, I, took, I, took a, I took a I took one jar or bottle of Alpha Brain and then I got the Alpha Brain black label, which is the more expensive, nicer one mm-hmm. in the glass jar that looks super professional. And I took all of that too. I didn't take it all in a row, but I I took all of it. I mean, mm-hmm. I, and it, it was a di- there was a difference for yeah. sure. Okay. But it just wasn't it wasn't this like mind blowing. Oh my gosh, I'm so focused. I'm not going to stumble over my words at all. But even when I am on Adderall, like I've talked to y'all about this on there here before. But I did a I did an ESPN radio interview one time talking about the Conor McGregor versus Mayweather fight, mm-hmm. and I got oh, their yeah. names backwards nearly the whole time, and I yeah. didn't realize this until after. I was on Adderall when I did that. You know, like yeah. Adderall is not a and a lot of times I don't take it when I do this show because I don't see a difference, honestly. Really? In terms of, like, how well I'm able to articulate, I don't see a difference. Mm-hmm. It helps me at work, but up here I don't feel that it helps me at all. Hmm. Yeah, I've looked into it, but like I say, it is expensive, but a lot of those reviews, are, it makes you feel like they're mixed because they'll say that, like, oh, it's like Adderall, this and that, and you get all your work done and this and that, and I was like, damn. Hmm. But uh, Maybe I should try it again. I don't know. I was trying to get off Adderall when I did it too. Yeah. So I was probably crashing off of a lack of Adderall. Uh, like I'd been on Adderall and then I came off Adderall and I started taking Alpha Brain. Mm-hmm. And it was a disappointment based on that. Like I like yeah, I can see that. like coming off Adderall is kind of tough anyway. I don't know if y'all have ever how many of y'all have taken have taken Adderall, needed Adderall, taken Adderall, and then tried to come off Adderall. But it's tough. Yeah. It's it's I mean it's you go through withdrawals and it. Honestly, a lot of times coming off Adderall, your ADHD is worse than it was before you ever got on Adderall. It's almost like your Adderall made it worse uh, for at least a while until your body gets used to not having Adderall. It's like a hard rebound yeah. type thing. So, For the uh, next Worker Man Wars, you say you want three or four fights on it? I'd all, like to. All boxing? I, yeah, if I can talk them into doing something other than boxing, I think that's all we're going to be able to talk them into. Yeah. If I could talk them into something else, I'd let them do something else. Yeah. I just Streamer uh, says Alpha Brain is a scam. It, you know, it definitely wasn't. I definitely didn't have a. I, I didn't have a super stellar experience on it. Yeah, I definitely didn't. I mean, for it to be that expensive. Yeah, it, it definitely wasn't worth the money to me. It wasn't something I was going to keep doing. Yeah. So, what about the uh, the Derek Lewis fight? Did you expect oh, him to come man. out with that flying knee? I, dude. All right, so Derek Lewis. <laughs> who did he fight? Was that guy's name? I don't even remember the guy's name, Mo. Can we look up who Derek Lewis fought last night? Uh, I did not see the uh, the flying knee coming. So Derek Lewis comes out. First thing he throws, flying knee right up the middle, catches dude, clean. gets on top of him, finishes him, takes his pants off again, gets up on the cage and celebrates. That dude gets you know. Do you his follow balls him on, Do you follow him on Instagram? I do. That yeah, dude she's is, okay. He's a he's okay. Yeah. <laughs> They're always okay. Yeah, he'll post the thing where like. Somebody will get their head taken off by like a Mack truck. Yeah, and be like he's okay. He's okay. He's okay. Man, man, 
Why don't you look up fight? Oh, you did. 291 fight card. Um, there it is. Yeah, ESPN five results. Um, yeah. That was crazy. That was crazy. There was a there was a bunch of good fights, man. Yeah. Um, All right, here it is. The <laughs> hold on, go back. <laughs> Does that little uh, illustration have have his head right? Uh, <laughs> his head. <laughs> I guess that's where he took the most damage. <laughs> so they're trying to do it like a video game. Oh man. Oh, I don't know about that. That seems dirty. That does. Uh, uh, Alex Pereira. Uh, fought Jan. Uh, How do you say that? Black Black Blakovich. Yeah, Blakovich. Jan Blakovich. Uh, I honestly, I could have seen that fight going either way yeah. in the judges' scorecards. I don't know if you guys at home watched it. Um, Jan definitely did more to control the fight on the ground. Got more takedowns and got three takedowns altogether. Took him down at least once every round, as I recall. Alex. Pereira, Pereira, I might be saying his name right there. Uh, he definitely did more damage on the feet. Uh, some of the people at the gym were like, absolutely not. Jan won that fight. Uh, I'm not as sure as they were. I think a split decision either way could have happened. It was yeah, a very back-and-forth fight. Uh, Pereira definitely did more damage at the end of the of the rounds, though. I think that's really what won it for him was in the second round. To me, the second round was a top up, toss-up. Jan had won the first. The second round was a toss-up, but the last minute of the second round, uh, Alex was teeing off on Jan. Yeah, he was. He was just he was piecing him up. So the, you got to remember when you're fighting, the last thirty seconds to a minute of the round, that's the last thing the judges see. Mm -hmm. The judges don't have access. Typically, I don't know about the UFC. Typically, when I've been judging, I don't have access to significant strikes landed versus yeah. takedown and control time. I'm just looking at the fight and seeing who I think won. Yeah. That's how judging works. I, it's really not that scientific. I'm not a fan of judging. It's hard to me. It's very difficult. Yeah. And it's like every time that I end up judging, I always end up having to judge a fight that is the hardest fight to judge. Mm -hmm. And there's usually not that many really tough fights to judge on a card, in my opinion. Most of them are fairly easy. But every time I judge, every time I get stuck judging, I get just a knockdown banger. Yeah. Like I, I get remember like anxiety. Like I'm like, man, am I going to be the judge? That <laughs> the yeah. Everybody's like, oh, he, where's he at? Was he, was he, what was he looking at? What right. was he watching? It's, oh, it's so nerve wracking. I remember I judged some fights in Jackson because one of the main guys with the commission before the new commissioner took over, um, Larry Engel, me and him, we got to know each other. And typically whenever he had somebody that he had ever trained or worked with fighting, mm -hmm. he wanted me to step in and judge in his place. Because he wasn't, he didn't feel he could be unbiased. Yeah. So if Caleb Harris, Dustin DePuma, any of those guys were fighting, I was usually their judge. And the first time he did it, it was a fight here in Columbus. He brings me in to judge a fight. It was Dustin DePuma versus another guy. And the guy who I actually gave the fight to got mad at me in the locker room because I didn't give him all three rounds. <laughs> I gave him two out of three. Because the second round, and it was, a it was a tough fight to judge. Yeah. Because in the second round, he was in a submission the entire round. He spent the entire second round in a yeah. sub. But he was doing damage. He, had, he was in a leg lock. And he was dropping back hammer fist and punching and all these things. But he was in a submission the whole time. Mm -hmm. He was fighting out of subs, one sub to the next sub to the next sub, the entire round. I gave the round to Dustin. Yeah. I gave the first round to him, the other guy. I gave the third round to the other guy. But 
he was in a submission. He was literally that close to being finished the majority of the fight. Mm -hmm. So I didn't feel that I could give it to him. Right. You know, I just it's just how I felt at the time. Um, and he got mad at me. When he came. He came to me. He said, "Hey, man, uh, did you have me winning all three of those rounds?" I said, "No, second round I wasn't so mm -hmm. sure on. I, I gave that one to Dustin." And him and his coaches both kind of got upset with me. And, you know, it is hard, man. Uh, judging is tough because, like, you don't know if you if you want to score that. Like you're saying, the whole thing collectively. Because if you got a dude who's what up, Ben off, Hardy, what up, Ben? If he's teeing off on a guy the entire round, and he has way more significant strikes that you can tell, but yeah. he's caught in the last thirty seconds, and it's damn near finished. Yeah, like, I, don't I don't know how to call that I mean, one. Either. He, for 95% of the round, this dude was kicking ass. But then he got rocked. Right. And so if he like, gets dropped, usually if you get dropped, I'd give the other guy the round. Like, oh, really? okay. yeah. Like, if, if you're losing the whole round, and like, if you're like winning if the whole round. going to be a significant, like, change in the round you're talking about? Um, what do you mean? So, say, like, you get, you're giving it to the guy that did most damage or the guy that dropped him at the end and was fixing to win the fight? If you got dropped, in my opinion, you lost the round. Okay, yeah. Most of the time. Like, even if you were teeing off and you were winning and dominating mm -hmm. the majority of the round, if you get dropped, I'm not talking about just wobbled or just hit hard, just hit clean. Yeah. If you get dropped for me, most of the time I'm not going to give you that round. Mm. You got dropped. Typically in boxing, if you get dropped, if you get a standing eight count, mm -hmm. that's a 10-8 round. Okay, so if you're dominating and then get dropped, I'm not going to give you a 10-8, but I'm going to give you a 9. Yeah. You know, that's just that's the way I do it. Now, when it really comes in and it's harder, is like, all right, you get a guy who maybe he takes you down. Let's say it's a five-minute round. In two and a half minutes, he's on top doing damage. And then they scramble back to their feet, and then for two minutes, he loses the stand-up mm -hmm. and is getting pieced up. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. Or – or I'm losing the stand-up the whole round, but I take you down twice. Mm -hmm. and, I'm, and I'm on top of you for the last minute, but I don't do that much damage. Or I do a little bit of damage. Like, yeah. like it's, it's really tough to decide, okay, how much am I going to value damage versus control? That's the first thing. Typically, damage is going to be a little bit more significant than control, mm -hmm. but it depends on the significance of the control. And are you doing damage with the control? Are you doing ground and pound with the control? Mm -hmm. It's it's just it's on a, honestly it's kind of subjective, and uh, I hate it. I yeah. don't like judging. That's <laughs> me neither. I don't like judging. There's not a lot of money in it. Doesn't pay well. Not a fan of it. I'd rather uh, just watch. For it's difficult. Yeah, I don't want to be a ref either. Honestly, for the same reason, I don't want to. I don't need to be around the sport that badly mm -hmm. where I like. I'm gonna go ref. Yeah. Or judge. I just don't. I just I like I just like being a fan of it. I like to watch it. I like being close to it. Yeah. I don't wanna have to I like being a corner. Yeah. I like competing every <laughs> once in a while still. You know, I like the idea of it. I like promoting, honestly. I enjoyed promoting. Yeah. Promoting wasn't bad. Because um, there's money in promoting. You oh, can sure. walk away yeah. with some real money promoting. But you ain't gonna make walk away with no real money judging or refing. You know, so it's just not worth it to me. I get it. I 100% get it. Not worth it to me at all. Um, talking about, um, I don't know why this made me think of it. You was talking about takedowns in a round and stuff. That working man wars, um, surprisingly, neither one of them had a knockdown. Is that surprising? Yeah. I really? thought somebody was going to get knocked down. Really? The way they were talking, you know, I, but, you know, I thought you know, somebody was going to get knocked you're down. You're talking about two guys that, honestly, I will say, working man wars, we had Johnny Ringo. Boxing, Joe Sayer, right? Super Joe Sayer, Super Saiyan Joe, Joe Super <laughs> Saiyan Sayer, Saiyan, yeah. 
Third round comes around. Joe's up by two rounds. Yeah. Johnny is putting the work on him on the wall over here. And a oh, lot of, sure. I know a lot of you guys over here were, were watching. And had he not let up. And, dude, this happens. These guys doing this work, working man wars, the lack of killer instinct kills these guys. Mm. It happened on all of them where they will hurt the other guy and then back off. Bro, you got him hurt. Yeah. You, you got to go in for the kill. Yeah. You got to smell blood when it's there. Yep. When there's blood in the water, you got to take advantage. You what, know uh, what? Um, uh, bad intentions, right? It's, yeah, it's, bad uh, intentions, man. You, and and these guys, they go in there and they throw, they throw a little a combination and they'll hurt somebody, and then they want to back off and get their breath. That ain't the time, player. So well, I feel like my my mind would kick me into overdrive. I'm like, oh, you've got to. And then you're drink. gassing yourself. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. Too. Sometimes I've had, and there's been times I've done it too. There's been times I've done both. There's one. I had one fight. Early in my career, I hit a guy with a right hand. I lost this fight. It was actually the, the Butterbean fight, same, mm. same one. I caught him with a right hand. I felt that I'd hurt him. He stumbled back to the rope, to the cage, and bounced under the cage. And I just rushed him and got taken down. Mm. Just I got overcommitted to that, like, killer instinct, and I got taken down. And then there was another time. There's been other times that I've landed a big shot, stumbled the guy, and then not followed up. So I've done both. But these guys, I mean, all he had to do, he was already in there. He was already throwing. He was already throwing. Threw big shots. Joe was on his way to to, to taking a knee. Or even if he, Joe didn't take a knee, I was about to step in. Yeah. I was about to step in they and were, give him an eight count they because were heavy he, was, he was, he looked hurt. Yeah. He looked like he needed, he was not going to be able to continue. So my job as the ref was safety. Mm-hmm. So I was about to step in. If I had stepped in and given that standing eight count, Really, as judges, y'all should have made that a 10 8 round. Oh, if you'd have stepped in? If I'd have stepped oh, yeah, in, it sure. should have been yeah. a 10 8 round. Yeah. That would have made that fight a draw. Yeah, I agree. So it would have changed the whole the whole thing, but that little bit of lack of killer instinct in there. And I think yeah. that's something that can be taught. Yeah, I, I agree with that. If you'd have had to step in on his behalf for a minute, I agree with that. Yeah, it's yeah, a 10 8 round. Yeah. If I got to step in and give you an 8 count, a standing 8 count to me is a 10 8 round. Yeah. Typically. I can see that. Like, especially if you go down. If you drop from it, that's a 10 8 round in boxing. Yeah. That's just the way boxing rules typically are. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yep. um, he said, uh, Streamer says, well, working man wars could be the next street beefs. He said, I mean, it could happen. It could. It could. If, we really, if I really wanted to promote it that way, I honestly don't see us wanting to put in the work and promote it. You know, that's how I got started in fighting was backyard fights. They were like MMA gloves and less rules and like MMA rules. But um, that's how I got started. You still got all those discs? Hey, I've got a bunch of them. Yeah. I got a ton of discs from backyard fights we used to put on. Um, I wonder how hard it would be for Mo to put one of those on. Probably be pretty difficult because his laptop's not even hooked up um, and in front of him. But um, that was your cue to let me know how hard that would be. Mo, <laughs> you're just looking at me while I'm talking about you. Do you even have – you have to have an external disc drive, I think. Just, you don't have an external disc drive? Okay. Huh. So yeah, that'd be uh, fun to pull up. That would be fun to watch one day. Yeah. I'll, I'll play them one day. I've got a bunch of them. I've got like five or six DVDs of old backyard fights that we did when I was in high school. That'd be cool. I did a few um, after I, hi- I started high school. No, after I left high school, I mean, when I started fighting mm. MMA. So I started fighting MMA my senior year of high school. And I, t- I took a few fights after that. And it really was kind of astonishing. Because I was winning before that, mm-hmm. but – just because I was a little more athletic and I was kind of a big kid and I was strong. I was like a lot of times I would just grab people's head and like sling them to the ground and squeeze their head so hard they'd quit. 
Like, yeah. I've won several fights that way, not legit at all. And I remember the first time I fought this little dude. <laughs> um, I had some size on him. And I remember he didn't tap to it. And I was like, what? Like, what's going on here? I, I remember we were fighting, and uh, I was kind of playing with him. He really wasn't that good of a fighter. And I was dodging his shots. And I remember I broke his rib with a kick. I faked a, I faked a jab, and he picked his arms way up. And I noticed every time I act like I was going to punch, he would, like, bring his elbows up over his head. So I fake a jab and throw a body kick. Mm. And I remember it sounded like somebody, like, kicked a broom in half, like a wooden oh, handle. It, it was loud. And I was like, damn, this little son of a bitch is still staying up. He wouldn't go down. He just wouldn't go down. Yeah. And he was probably 155 100 to 100. He was probably 170 pounds. Yeah, he was probably walking about 170 pounds. I was probably 190. So I probably had 20 pounds on this kid easily. I grab him. I take him down. He, we scramble. Like I squeezed him, whatever. He scrambles back up. And I remember I remember I overheard somebody in the crowd saying, yeah, Jake's just playing with him. Jake's just playing with him. And I remember I looked over at him, and I was like, yeah, you're right. And old buddy come from grandma's house when I wasn't looking. And boop, and everything went white for a second. Like He rattled me. Bow, and I remember the whole room went boom. Like it started ringing, everything went white for a second, and I had a, I felt a, some blood run down my cheek where he had cut me on my oh. eye right here, and I had some blood come down my cheek, and I was like, that was probably the first time I'd ever been really hurt, like I'd ever been like for real caught in a fight, and that was probably my seventh or eighth fight. Were these bare knuckle? Did y'all? We had, we had like UFC gloves we had bought oh, from okay. Pivots. We started off bare knuckle, and then uh, people wouldn't let their hands go bare knuckle, mm. so we switched and we started putting them where no hand wraps. Just UFC gloves. We, we were doing just hand wraps. And then we got the Everlast gel hand wraps, mm-hmm. and we fought in those, and then we made the switch to, to leather because those just didn't hold up. Yeah. Like after one or two fights, they were destroyed. Uh, yeah. And so we, we bought the leather UFC gloves and kept those. He caught me, but it was like his knuckles right here, and he busted me open. And uh, then I took him down and tried to squeeze him and make him tap, and he didn't tap, and the bell rang. And I'm just like, I was pissed. <laughs> I was mad. I was like, there's no way I'm fixing to lose. To this little punk out here Especially at my after own he spot. made you bleed your own blood. Yeah, he made, nobody yeah. makes me bleed nobody. my own blood. So um, I don't remember how it finished. I think I, I'm mounting it, mounting it, and like who had the um, out of all those years you had that who had the, who was the two guys had the best fight? Um, you know, honestly, probably one of the best ones. My cousin fought Joe Savage. Really? They had a they had a uh, they had a, tr- a trilogy. Um, they fought three times, and my cousin beat him the first two. Really? And Joe won the last one. Yeah, because you know Joe was a work in progress. Like he mm-hmm. didn't, you know, he kind of came into his own through fighting. Fighting yeah. is how he kind of became the Joe you see now. Um, the first one, man, we were at this house, and they stood in front of each other for about 10 minutes straight. Just bang. Bare knuckle. Bang. And just beat each other half to death. I mean, they were throwing elbows and punches. There was no grappling at all. They planted their feet in front of each other in the pocket and spent a good five minutes they, it was like two or three rounds of them standing in the pocket right in front of each other. No footwork, no grappling, and just trading shots. Two, they were both about 280, 290, Dang. just swapping. I remember Joe had braces at the time, and it broke like seven brackets in Joe's braces. He did not have a mouthpiece in, oh so his gosh. lips were just like gashed and cut all up. I mean, he, had, he was, there was so much blood coming out of his mouth after the fight. And then he was so exhausted from the fight, he was vomiting. So after the fight, he was just like, he was leaned over and blood was just pouring out of his mouth. And then he'd vomit, 
and he'd yak, and then he'd stop vomiting, and then the blood would just start again. So the vomit was like vomit and blood mixed. Damn. And it was just pouring out. We had to, like, pack it and try to get get some ice on it, gave him a popsicle or something. I don't remember. But uh, And then we got drunk. We just got drunk. You know, everybody got drunk. And I was on crutches for my car wreck at that time. That was probably one of the best fights I'd seen. Damn, he had braces and no mouthpiece. No mouthpiece and braces, bare knuckle. God, and they, they stand and stood and banged for 10 minutes straight. It's probably like hamburger meat. Well, nine minutes straight. Like three three-minute rounds. And then finally Joe was like, I'm done. No, we didn't do rounds back then. That was before we even did. We, we didn't even do rounds. It was probably five, ten minutes straight, no rounds. Because our first one, we did no gloves and no rounds. And it wasn't until later we added the rounds. But the way the rounds worked was we would do uh, three three-minute rounds, and then it'd go sudden death. So we'd go three three-minute rounds. But if you went three three-minute rounds, the fourth round was just until somebody gave up or went mm. or got knocked out. Like, it just went until it was over. So there were no judges. There was no judges' decision. It went until it was over. Mm-hmm. Um, some of that Brad Pitt Fight Club shit, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Like fights are going as long as they have to. But we didn't want any judges. We didn't want. I didn't want bad judges' decisions. I wanted fights to go on as long as they had to go on until we knew who the winner was. The problem with that came in was when, like, when I fought Big Kyle mm-hmm. and Nathan and Joe fought the last time. So my probably third or fourth fight, I fought Big Kyle. At that time, I was walking about 190 pounds. Big Kyle was probably about 350. Mm-hmm. He was 6'5". I was about 6'2", 6'3". Um, so I, I was giving up a huge size disadvantage. And I had not started training yet. So I had done a little bit of boxing, kickboxing. I had done like taekwondo mm-hmm. and some karate. And I was just kind of scrappy. But he was a big-ass boy. And yeah. I, didn't, I wasn't doing jujitsu. I wasn't doing any of that. And uh, it was basically 45 minutes of – I remember I would, like, step in with a heavy jab, and I busted his lip up pretty good with some just jabs. I would just step into a jab, boom, catch him, and I'd back out. He would chase me, and I'd run around the yard because it was just in a yard. There was no ring. So there was no, like, set area you had to stay inside of at that time. Yeah. So we were just all over the yard, you know, and I was moving. Then I would leg kick him, and I'd jab him, and I'd jab him, and I'd leg kick him, and I'd back out. And I'd shoes leg on kick him in. Yeah, we had <laughs> shoes on. And I remember then the fight, he just couldn't catch me. Yeah. And at the end of the fight, the whole side of his leg was black and blue. His lips were all busted up. But it was a boring fight. And I knew, I was like, I'm just going to sit here. I'm going to drag him into deep water until he's done. And that's what happened. About took about 45 minutes, he was finally like, man, I'm done, dog. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm good. I don't want no more. And we shook hands and we drank a beer and, and that was it. I seen him the other day, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I saw him not long ago, too. About three weeks ago. The, the worst fight I ever saw was Nathan and Joe 3. So they that put on just- the best fight ever. And the worst fight ever. The it's worst lame, fight. Because they had done fought twice already? The, the fight just sucked. So, mm-hmm. at this point, Joe had developed a little bit more. Joe was a little better fighter. Um, there was some tension in the group at this point, too. Like, there was some, there was some questions about, like, about who was in charge and, like, mm-hmm. whose thing it actually was and between, like, me and him, me and Nathan. Because um, I had done all the work. And I had put in all the squad equity, and we kind of started it together, but he wasn't doing anything. Mm-hmm. And so everybody looked at me as the leader and the head of it, and he was like, well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm equal. And, and everybody was like, are you? <laughs> you know, like, like, you're not setting any fights up. You're not the yeah. guy in the center. You're not the guy reffing. You're not the guy announcing the rules. You're the – I mean, so you're here. Doing all that? I was doing everything, yeah. Okay. I was doing all the matchmaking. Um, I was fighting just as much, if not more, than him. And so we come up to the third fight. And there's a little animosity, and they swap pretty good. I've got this fight on DVD, actually. They fought for an hour and a half. 
Dang. It was an hour and a half, but it was an hour and a half of mostly them just circling each other. Yeah. Just they, they, they'd swap, they'd swap some good licks. And I think Nathan kind of felt in that one. Like Joe was a little intimidated. Joe used to not be good about coming forward. Mm-hmm. Joe's actually a better wrestler than boxer, but he, he liked to box. But Joe was only a good boxer if you'd come at him. Mm-hmm. You'd come at him and he'd plant his feet and he'd throw. Yeah. And he just, he'd stand in the pocket and just take the damage. And then he'd give damage while he was at it. But Nathan wasn't really engaging. Joe really wasn't engaging. They were both kind of had some equal respect for each other, I think. Yeah. And uh, so they fought for we, – we burned through three DVDs. There's three DVDs that are filled up with nothing but that fight. Golly. Um, we burned through two. And I remember about, about an hour in, Nathan takes the gloves off, and it's like, all right, well, I guess we're going bare knuckle. And so Joe takes his gloves off. We're like, all right. And we let him finish the fight bare knuckle. Dang. And finally Nathan was like, I'm done. I'd like to see some of these DVDs. Yeah, it was some good stuff, man. Um, yeah, I agree. How about uh, an episode when you review those? Yeah, but we'll we'll definitely do it. we'll we'll look at doing that next week. I've got I've got a bunch of them back there, and I've got an external drive that I can play them through, um, and we can hook them up to the computer. It really wouldn't be hard, honestly. Yeah, that'd be um, cool. Yeah, but that was that was and that was sort of the beginning of the end mm. of that particular group. Um, we did it for another couple years after that, but. Um, me and Nathan had a falling out after that. And honestly, me and him have never he, – he decided, just full transparency, he decided that uh, he didn't like the direction that I was taking things, and he decided to go start his own thing. And what he, I think, did not understand was the amount of work that it mm-hmm. took to do that as a 16-, 17-year-old kid putting on something like that. Like, yeah. it takes time. Like, you got to oh, just yeah, put sure. on some shitty fights. And how we got it started was um, – we kept trying to do it. Nobody would show up for it. Because, I mean, when you're a 16-year-old kid riding around town, like, hey, guys, we're all going to meet in a field, and we're going to beat the shit out of each other. Mm-hmm. Are y'all down? No, we're not. Yeah. So the first few fights, nobody showed up for them. So we'd go out to the field, and finally one night when Joe and Nathan fought, we were like, hey, you know what, guys? It's just us five. Somebody's fighting. One of us is going to fight each other. Mm-hmm. So we just started fighting each other. Like, I fought Cody Evans three times. Really? Yeah, I fought Cody Evans three times because we were the closest in weight. Yeah. We were both about 190 pounds. So, and he trained, I trained, like, you know. So we had a rivalry. And then Nathan and Joe fought three times. Canyon and John Myers fought three times. Uh, Canyon and Nathan Fisher fought twice. I mean, they the, – All we, this is filmed or not all? We, we got it all filmed, but we lost a lot of it. Really? Yeah, we lost a lot of it after when the cops raided a house we were throwing oh, a party in they took time. them? Yeah. Dang, um, they probably showing them off themselves. Probably, yeah. Dang. But we, uh, we, we. That's how we got started. What we did was we recorded it, so we recorded us fighting each other. So I like I fought Big Kyle, I fought Cody, Nathan, and uh, Joe fought, and we take them and we would record them, and then we would go to Sonic and all where all the kids were hanging out, and we'd show them. Hey guys, this is what we got going on. Yeah, Y'all should yeah. come out. And then Nathan would, or I'm sorry, Canyon would go to New Hope, and he'd tell everybody. And I'd go to school and tell everybody. We'd all go to school that week, and we'd blow it up, and we'd talk about how big it was and how awesome it was, and it we were lying. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it worked. Like, like it just kind of slowly would grow. Yeah. And then we would quit for the winter because it was just too cold to fight outside in the winter, too wet, too cold. Mm-hmm. And we'd pick it up. Uh, we'd fight through the fall until about November, and then we'd quit and we'd pick it up in the summer, springtime. And, uh, yeah, it worked. We would we just kind of slowly grew it. And what I started doing was I started finding guys that were, like, tough guys. And what I learned is don't go after the tough guy when you're matchmaking these. The guy with the big reputation, don't even talk to him. He ain't going to fight. He's got nothing to gain. Go after his little brother. Mm-hmm. That's who you get. Go after that dude's little brother. Go after the guys who are known as badasses. Find their little brother. Their little brother fight anybody because they're trying to make a name. 
Oh, I'll see that. Those okay, guys yeah. will fight. The brother, the dude with the name, he ain't going to fight. Yeah. Because he's got nothing to gain from me. I've already got a name. People already don't want to mess with me. If I go out there and fight, I might mess that up. And that happened. These guys with these big names go out there and fight, and they get the shit kicked out of them, ruin the reputation. So the, the big head mess yeah, with them? nobody. Well, they just couldn't fight. Like, how easy is it to get a reputation of being able to fight? All you got to do is whoop one, one, guy, yeah, one guy's ass, fight, and, yeah. and that doesn't know how to fight at all. And all of a sudden, yeah. at, at, at school, you're a god. You know, everybody's like, oh, my God, he can fight so good. All you got to do, win one or two fights. Yeah. So I can see that and not want to mess that up. So now that you're going to fight against somebody who actually wants to fight, knows how to fight a little bit? Mm-hmm. No. Why would you do that? Yeah. Don't mess that up. So go out for the little brothers. And that's not, well, I've never looked at it that way. That's not yeah, a bad idea. No, yeah. I just learned. Because yeah. I, I started off, I was going after all the guys with the big reputations. And they was turning it down. And then nobody, they, would, they would say they're coming and they just wouldn't show up. So we'd, be, we'd sit out there until like 10, 11 o'clock at night just waiting on them. We'd start at 7, and we'd sit out for three, four hours just waiting on them. Oh, oh, we're about to be here. We're about to be here, bro. Just give me a, give me a little bit. We're almost there. We're almost there. And they'd ghost us. Uh, Happened a hundred times. hundred times. Did it almost every, every weekend. Somebody would do it. But pretty soon, we'd get these huge crowds out there, and I'd get the crowd hype, and the people in the crowd would want to start fighting each other. And that's how our big cards would happen. It wasn't just like – random fights? Yeah, a lot of them were just random fights. So I would just market it to this point of like a ton of people showing up, and then I would we'd start matchmaking people in the crowd, nice, and um, have people put up money and you, you know. Never had any females? Any uh, female fights? Uh, not that I recall. Uh, uh-uh. I don't. I don't recall. We tried a bunch. We tried a bunch. Yeah. But we never could get it to go through. Big dudes also don't like to fight. Real big dudes, like. like like big Kyle size, yeah. like okay. the dudes who like people are aren't messing with them. People that got yeah. nothing to prove. Mm-hmm. Those aren't the people. Go find the people that have something to prove. That was, that's what I learned. And so I would take, like, I'd get Kyle. He'd go to Lamar County because he was from Millport, Kennedy area. And he would recruit some little white trash, some, some bitch who wanted to fight. And then Canyon would find somebody in New Hope, same way. And then, like, I, I just started. And that's how we all became cool. That's how me and Kyle became friends was I used Kyle as a hookup for people that I didn't know who might want to fight. Mm-hmm. So I would have these friends that were like my middlemen who would who would go and find talent for me and bring them to fight, and we'd record it and we'd market and we'd take that recording and market it and make the big, these big events with it. That's pretty badass. And uh, yeah, it was cool. I made I made a lot of money on t-shirts. I sold t-shirts. What were you putting on them? Uh, it said on the front of it, it said "Prove It," uh-huh. and on the back, it said "Fight Club." We make this look easy. And uh, I sold I sold I made several hundred dollars selling t-shirts. Um, Dang, that's a big old business you had. Yeah, then I took that money and I reinvested it in DVD burners mm. and so that I could sell the fights. And I never, my, my, I'm so not tech savvy, I completely just burned that money because I bought this <laughs> DVD burner and I never could figure out how to use it. Dang. Never figured it out. Because they were the little small DVDs. I've noticed that when you showed and me. And I was trying to burn them onto the big DVDs and it's like there was an issue and I wasn't good with computers and I didn't have everybody with me that was good with computers and I just didn't have the... I needed another person, yeah. like a partner that could that was good with like technology, and that's why I try to keep people that are semi good with technology. I, I like having those people around mm. because I'm not. Oh yeah, no. So yeah, I need I changing. need that. I need I need someone to compliment me in that area. You know, like Mo does the producing here because this is just, it's just not my thing. It's, I'm not good at it, yeah. and so I'm better off finding somebody who is good at it, and you know, us kind of do it together. Yeah. That's that's sort of the. That's sort of the dynamic that I learned from back then. It was wild, man. I just I was trying to make a dollar and trying to make a name for myself, and that's how I got in MMA. And mm-hmm. I, I was always doing, 
I always had some little hustle going, some little business, some little side hustle, something going on. But that was probably the most successful of all does, of them. Uh, does anybody have any of them shirts still around? Uh, I heard Cecily Myers had one. I'd be curious to see one. Uh, she had one, but I don't know if she still does. When she was working for, she was like 10 years ago, she was working for my parents and she said she still had one. I don't have one. And I don't know anybody that has one. Yeah. But I've, you can see them if I pull the videos up in my office. We're all wearing them. And we used to ride out to town. It was so cool. Like at the time, we thought we were so cool because we'd all go to town and we'd all be wearing those t shirts and we'd roll through like a little posse <laughs> with our match and prove it t shirts, you know. We thought we were the shit. Couldn't tell us nothing. That shit, Couldn't I don't tell believe us you could. But, bruh, I think back because I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how to fight. That None of us like know how to did, fight. Though. I, it sounded like I, you I, had a jam packed. Sound, I knew how to. I, I kind of got lucky, honestly. I. If somebody had shown up out there that actually legit knew how to fight, I'd have got hurt. Mm-hmm. I'd have got my ass whooped. I'd have got exposed because I did not know. Like somebody like a for real martial artist, like a for real yeah. MMA fighter. Had somebody like that shown up out there, like a, like a professional boxer mm-hmm. or a really good wrestler, which I, you know, they, they, they brought this one guy in to beat me who was a wrestler and, and trained. Um, and I beat him, but he just wrestled in high school a little bit. And I had a little size on him, and he'd done a little jiu-jitsu. But by that point, I'd also done a little jiu-jitsu, mm-hmm. and I'd done a little bit of striking. So it was like – and I've got that one. I've got that fight back there. Kind of evened it out, canceled it out. And so I ended, like, he ended up shooting, and I'm taking his back and choking him out. <clears throat> and that was, that, was the, that was one of my last fights. They brought him in to beat me. My very last fight was when I beat up my teacher's husband. I've talked about that one on here. Yeah, I've heard that story. That was my very last one, but – no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. I even kept this going after I opened my gym. When I opened on McCrary. Oh, really? We had some fights in there. Yeah, we had some Saturday night, Saturday night fights in there. Sure did. I think I remember that because before my first fight, I think you was trying to trying to get, link me and Nathan set, up. Yeah, set you up on one. Yeah, but it never came through. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. yeah. I think I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And and I, I did that a few times. And that's when that's actually what killed it. What killed it was me getting in, into MMA and me bringing, like, MMA guys in because – People it, thought you was advancing too. Yeah, it was just like my guys were just destroying everybody. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, we had J.J. fight <laughs> David Barry one time, and David was one of the same thing. His older brothers who had, like, a name for being kind of badass. J.J. out of the gym? Yeah. Okay. And I had J.J. who actually trained, and they yeah. fought, and J.J. beat that ass. And then I fought a dude, and I beat that ass. Like, it was like – but it was like – Bad, like it, you know, yeah. we were destroying these guys, and everybody that was coming was like, "Man, I'm not, I'm not gonna fight these guys." And yeah. so I couldn't get any of my guys that I knew fights anymore, and I didn't have the hookup in the street to like find people anymore. Mm-hmm. So it just didn't work, you know. I just and that. I didn't, I wasn't as passionate about it. I wasn't, my mind was on the gym at that point. Yeah. So I threw a few of them, and it was like, all right. Yeah. Now that you say that, I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I threw a few of them though. I had a guy call me out, and I had opened my gym already. And he was he shows up and he's a big motherfucker. He's bigger than me, like taller than me. We were close in weight, but he was just built bigger than me. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was like, man, so so you wanted to fight me or whatever. And that's the way it was sold to me. I don't know if he actually called me out or if they were just trying to make a fight happen because yeah. you know they did that a lot. They'd be like yeah. they'd be like talk him into do it and then tell me that he was talking shit. So I'd fight him, and that's just how they that, that's how they'd sell the fight, <laughs> get the fight to happen. But I come up to him, I'm like, hey man, uh. So, like, you got you, have you done any training or anything? He's like, no, I'm more of a bowler. <laughs> and I was like, what you mean a bowler? Like, like 
Yeah. 10 points. Bowler. Yeah. That's what he's talking about. He bowled. He considered that like he was still an athlete? And I was like, all right. That's cool. What was he going to use that to come with you with an uppercut? So I guess. He was going to try to uppercut you the whole time. <laughs> and so I go out to touch gloves with him. When I go to touch gloves, he leg kicks me super hard. No, not real hard, but he leg kicks me yeah. pretty solid. Like he, he threw it as hard as he could. And I was just like, and I think he just didn't know he was supposed to touch gloves. He wasn't a fighter. Yeah. So I went to touch gloves, and I guess he just didn't know that I was going to touch gloves, but it pissed me off. Oh, yeah. I was like, this son of a bitch is trying to catch these hands. So I threw like a, I like faked a left hook and came with a hard right straight, and it landed and it spun him around. He like turned his back to me, and I scooped him around the waist and I suplexed him. And then I got on top of him in side control. Went to mount, postured up, and just started. I, I didn't start raining shots because I didn't want him to finish it because I was mad. I just started picking super hard shots. Like I would wait and boom, hit him real hard and post and drop an elbow and post and drop another elbow and post and wait till he gave me another one. Boom, and I go for another hard shot. And I did that for a couple minutes before finally Canyon called it. And he was like, all right, bro. Like that's enough because he was fucked up. And I, later, I, I got to there thinking bowling was going to help him. I think he wasn't even talking shit. I think he was just big, mm-hmm. and they were like, "Oh, you should fight Jake." And then they went to me and was like, "Hey, this dude's been talking shit." And I'm like, "What? Oh, Why?" Yeah. And they're like, "Yeah, he wants to fight you. Bet he wants to fight you." I was like, "All right, bet I'll fight him." And then I then then I went to touch gloves, and I think he didn't know to touch gloves, and then that pissed me off. And so, like, I went a little harder than I probably would have normally. Even though, I mean, it's a fight. I'm there to win no matter what. But I probably wouldn't have punished him that way. I probably would have just, like, choked him out or something. But Isn't it weird how mad it'll make you get when you when you go to touch gloves and some and the other person? It's like they're trying to cheap shot me. If they touch and then go straight for a shot. Oh, you know when yeah. Richie did that to you when y'all were sparring here before his yeah, fight? Yeah, <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, that pissed me off. We were training, bro. Like, we were training partners. I it, and I, like, went to touch gloves, and he, like, touched and came, came with the right hand. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, yeah. all right then. It'll I piss see. you off though. It pisses I you off real Yeah, bad. it does. Because like, I feel like you're trying to take advantage. Exactly. Yeah. Of me like being cool, and you know, so Man. yeah. Damn. Anyway, if you guys want, we'll definitely do an episode where I think that'd be dope. We uh, go over some of those old fights, and yeah, I think that'd be uh, cool. I think that would be cool. I've got, I've got some decent ones back there. Some of them are good. Some of them are bad. The the, the quality on them is not great. You know, we're we're recording these at night outside, mm. so with like a night vision type. So the the coloring's not awesome. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you've watched them. You you remember? I've seen like one. I think. But okay. I, but that was. You showed me that uh that case back there, and I saw all of them little ones, but yeah. I haven't seen all of them. Yeah. Well, they're all back there. I'll show them to you after this if you want to see some of them and make a decision on if we want to show them or not. But. Um, yeah. Thank you guys for being on this episode of the Man Up Podcast. Uh, make sure to go check us out. And Tyler did not show up, by the way. Did everybody notice that? <laughs> Just straight ghosted us. Um, go check us out on our social media channels at Facebook, Instagram, TikTok at the Mississippi Superman. Um, also, check us out at the Man Up Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a subscribe, a review, share it to your socials. We'll see you on the next episode. Peace.